Welcome to Songs and Stories, the not-for-musicians-only music podcast. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to a very cool episode of Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is episode number 156. Today we're going to be featuring a return guest who was on here actually not that long ago, really about nine or ten episodes back. Uh, about a year ago, um, Austin producer Griff Morlicks and legendary songwriter Blackie Farrow played our our series, our concert series out in Corlitas, California, and um, before that show... We got together, and um, they both talked about their respective backgrounds and both played a couple of songs, and that was episode number 147. If you hadn't heard, haven't heard it, it's very, very cool. Um, they were talking at the time about um, producing Blackie's first record. Blackie's been a songwriter his entire life, and he's had songs recorded by people like, um, well, Griff Morlicks and Robert Earl Keen and and Bill Kirchin and Commander Cody, and there's a huge list that I will link to the notes for this podcast. It's a long list of people who have recorded his songs. The kind of interesting thing about Blackie is he hadn't recorded his own songs until this past year. Um, so in episode number 147, we were talking about the process they were going through to fund and get that record done. He's finished it since then. It's called Cold Country Blues, and he rolled through the Santa Cruz area about a month ago and did a little live appearance at KPIG Radio. So we, we commandeered an office afterwards, and it was kind of nice to talk about him, to talk about the, the, the CD in process a year ago, now that it's done, what he thinks of it, and kind it's really good, by the way, and um, kind of the process he went through and talking about working on the next one. So that's this that's this episode, Gerf, um, Gerf. Gurf mentioned here a couple of times. Blackie Farrell and his new CD called Country Blues. Uh, before we get to that, just a couple of quick news tips on me. I took um, March off to take care of a little health hiccup, and now I'm fine, and I'm back and busy again. So really quickly, if you're in the local area, I'll be at Farrell Winery on Saturday, April 16th from 1 to 4, doing a bunch of new songs, three hours of original music. And then that Sunday at 4 o'clock, we're hosting our, um, what'll be my last show that we're hosting in Coralitas at the Cultural Center on April 17th on Sunday at 4 p.m. It's Gurf Morlicks and Blackie Farrell. We're going out big. It'll be a great show. And if you want more information about that, it's on my show's page. Um, that Monday on the, I can, I can read and talk at the same time. On the 18th, I'll be at Discretion Brewing in, in Capitola from 6 to 8. And then on the big, the, the world, next big show for me is Saturday, May 7th. I'll be at the Ugly Mug with my good pal, Steve Kritzer. Um, we do kind of a dueling songwriter thing, if you haven't seen us. He backs me up on mandolin and guitar. I back him up on um, guitar harmonica and banjo and i just realized putting this together that steve and i's first gigs at the mug about six years ago it's kind of an interesting story that he was booked to play there um but you know he knew we kind of knew each other but i was more way more local than he was so he asked if i wanted to split it so we split the night and um turned out we had this really nice chemistry and people were saying wow you guys should be a duo so we are that's kind of where it started so we're going to be back there on the 7th and Jeff Baker, our buddy, is going to be on percussion. So it'll be a lot of fun. It's Saturday, May 7th. There's some other things coming up, too. And if you check out my show's page at michaelgather.com, you can find about 
find out about all those other shows coming up as we roll into the end of spring and summer kicks in with a lot more to do. Meanwhile, back on the podcast, Blackie Farrell again was in town talking about his latest record, his newest record, his debut, Cold Country Blues. And so what we're going to do is hear a couple of tracks off that and then um, really just let Blackie kind of tell some great stories, talk about the record, and then, um, which, which is really going to be cool, uh, one of the songs that really got me into songwriting and wanting to start writing was Sonora's Death Row. It's a big K-Pig hit. A lot of people have recorded it, and when I heard it, I just thought this is just one of the most perfect story songs I've ever heard. So during the interview, I asked Blackie, would you mind a request? And he goes, no, of course not, because he's very... He's very nice. He's very accommodating, and he's very cool. So he played Sonora's Death Row. He also talked about the story behind this song, which, you know, I was sitting there awestruck, and I think you will be too when you hear this. So let's hear a couple of things off the new record. Um, if I mentioned it earlier, it's produced by Gurf Morlicks and Bill Kirchin. You couldn't ask for a finer bunch of musicians. So let's hear a little bit of Mama Hated Diesel's and a little bit of Rockabilly Funeral, and then we'll dive right in and uh, have an audience with Blackie Farrell. Here we go. Mama hated diesel so bad I guess I knew it was something to do with Dad First I ever seen her cry Was after one of them things went by Mama hated diesel so bad I remember hearing all them semis Hearing down Ma and me lived right on the high green the time I sure liked them back cruise liners but there was something in mama's eyes when she pitched me watching the road not a little bit of peace of her die mama hated diesels so bad I guess I knew it was something First I ever seen her cry was after one of them things went by. Mama hated diesel so bad. Now as the years passed and I grew older, Mama did too. Soon she stopped singing and laughing. She'd hardly even eat. Well, I began staying away from home on weekends. And on weekdays, I wouldn't come home from school till way after dark. Now, I was too busy having some kind of fun, hanging around with some gal or hanging around the local truck stops, talking to my buddies about all the big rigs that were all the time pulling in. And talking about all the crazy places we'd never been. California. One night the county sheriff tracked me down. 
Till I found your mama wandering all by herself on the middle of the highway crying. And of all things, Blackie, she was trying to flag down one of them big old rigs with a pocket handkerchief. Left me on my own. And I got a job unloading rigs at the local freight yard. Pretty soon I got a rig of my own. And I left my hometown on my very first run to Frisco. That was 30 years ago today. And I ain't been back home in all that time since then. Until now. Now it's me and the local preacher Standing in the graveyard grass Staring down at the highway Watching them big boys pass He laid his hand upon me Then he prayed for quite some time I could barely understand a word he said Behind the highways and wine Then he handed me this old faded photograph He said, I found it in your mama's hand He said, Blackie, I'm afraid that you in this picture It's the best your mama had I looked down at the picture It was mama and some guy They were standing in front of a semi-truck Just Mary painted on the side Mama hated diesels so bad I guess I knew Die. 
So nice to see you again, Blackie. Nice to see you, Michael. Oh, sounded good on KPIG this morning. Well, thank you. So we talked almost a year ago out in Corlitas before you played with Gurf, and you were working on your first record. That's right. It's, uh, it's been a year, hasn't it? <laughs> and, and, and now it's done. It's right here in my hands. And um, Cold Country Blues. So a year ago, was it, was it done, or were you still working on it? Uh, it was kind of midway, sort of. It was, yeah, it was midway, I reckon. Yeah. It's, it's, so much has happened. I know. It's all a blur after See, a couple of weeks. we actually went in the studio last January. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you were kind of in process. And I was, I was going to say, it's, it's really too bad. You couldn't get anybody good to play on this record. Yeah, it was a real bitch, man. <laughs> I had to go to Craigslist. You know? I know. It's like, any guitar players out there that want to play on one of my old songs? No, I'm a very lucky guy. Yeah. Yeah. I only have great friends that are great players but yeah, yeah. They, they they go yeah. the extra mile for me you know? yeah so tell us who's on the record for people that don't know well it was produced by Herb Marlux and Bill Kirchin who mm -hmm. both played their I think they both left their asses on the studio floor yeah for me you know and uh, they just played them off and uh, Rick Richards on drums mm -hmm. I don't know if you know of Rick he uh, he had a really solid rhythm section Rick's Rick's yeah. a monster he, Worked with uh, Ray Wiley oh, okay. for yeah. years. Ray Wiley Hubbard and uh, Joe Walsh. Mm -hmm. with Joe Walsh and Bill Kirchner. Mm -hmm. he's, on, he's on the road with Bill right now. Oh, okay. And he's he's a wonderful guy, and a, just a monster drummer. Uh -huh. And that was the core the core band. Uh, yeah. Kurt played most of the bass on the record, except for one song. Bill played bass. Yeah, and Gert plays pedal steel and pedal steel guitar. Yeah. Uh, he, he was the man, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like he, uh, would you say it was a bulletproof band, I think you said? Completely bulletproof. Yeah. Uh, before we even got in the studio, you know, on the, you know, just prepping for it, Griff would call me, and he, he could tell I was kind of nervous about the whole sure. thing. Sure. He kept telling me, Blackie, this is going to be easier than you think. <laughs> every every phone conversation, Blackie, man, yeah. this is going to be easier than you think. We, we get into the studio, and he says, like, you remember how all those conversations I told you it's going to be easier than you think? I said, yeah. Because from now on, from here on, don't think. Mm, just. Yeah. And he was right. It was easy. Uh, Andre Moran was the engineer. Mm -hmm. It was at Mark Holland's studio in Austin, Texas, Congress House Studio, great studio. And Mark Holland also uh, mixed and mastered it for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, you heard it. It's just. Yeah, you know, and I was gonna. I wanted to add to you talking about who played on this, and for people that most people know or or should know of Bill Kirchin, who's like this wonderfully monster guitar player, and you could tell he was. I I felt like he was laying back, so it wouldn't be. But it was obviously him playing, but he kind of let you. It was your. He put you at the forefront. Yeah, he. You know, we we've talked. And it was very very tasty support, but it was obviously if you know Bill Kirchin is like. That's him, but you can tell he's holding back to kind of support you. That's the way I feel. Exactly, exactly. And, and going in, he told me, he says, you know, this is your your record, Blackie, and uh, don't want it to sound like you're sitting in the, the Bill Kirchner band, which right. I've done forever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, that would be fine with me, but uh, this was a, a better approach. And mm -hmm. I told him, because uh, I love his baritone tone mm -hmm. playing, that I wanted it on the heavy baritone side right. of this record. Right. And, uh, he just, uh, I couldn't ask for more. Uh, 
And uh, from from the moment we got, as soon as we got the drum sound, which didn't take long, and, uh, and we started rolling, it was just nothing but fun. Mm. Uh, so how long did the whole process take, or was it in pieces over several months? Well, we were in the studio every day for uh, six days. Okay. And we got 11 songs. Nice. That's the way to do it, too, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's, that's the only way I wanted. I didn't want to yeah. piecemeal it. Yeah, because I've done projects. Yeah, I've done projects where you you spend a few days here, then a couple of months to you know, and then I've done where you just go in and just jam it through. That's and, the only way you capture the lightning in the bottle. You know, exactly. And, and, and get the sweet mm -hmm. stuff and magic. Well, magic happens that way. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I have no regrets the way we did. I do it all over again. Yeah, and I, I got to tell you too, we were listening to this on the car in the car the other day. My my wife said we we love the record, and it, to me, it's almost like a step back in time. I mean, it has that sound and, and the feel of it and the soul of it. And Cindy's, my wife said, you know, he sounds like Elvis Presley would have sounded if we hadn't lost Elvis. He has that just that that emotion and that that tone of your voice. I mean, it was like like in awe praise of like how this thing sounds. Well, I sure appreciate that because yeah. you know just and the style of the songs and everything that goes with it too. Oh my. My whole career as a songwriter, I've mm -hmm. never thought of myself as a singer or, yeah. or, or an artist performing or recording. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm so blown away by other singers, mm -hmm. I, people I consider real singers. Right. I, I sort of, when people compliment me on my voice, I don't know what to say. <laughs> What's well, kind of, it sounds like it's kind of a new thing. You're a cheap date. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even have to ply it with drinks or nothing, um, you know. Yeah, uh, no, it's uh, it all worked out really good. And of course, there's things you would, you know, as you know, doing vocals and stuff. I'd I'd love to go and do another pass on a couple of things. Sure. You know, you know, it doesn't matter. No. Who I mean, you are. Or, or, yeah. Well, and this, you captured you captured that time, and that's how it sounded. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, a local a local songwriter, Chuck McCabe, we lost a few years ago, and he told me when, when I, I think I did my second record, and I was, I was unhappy about things on it, and he said, he goes, if you finish your record and there's things that don't make you visibly, visibly cringe when you hear them, and only you will hear them, it means you haven't worked hard enough. That's right. <laughs> You've got to like care about every little nuance and every little second and every little sound. Yeah. Well, so. uh, it's like Bill Kirchner's motto is, all, all you can do in this business is try not to suck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I've achieved that, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I take that to heart. Yeah, that's good. So uh, there's eleven songs in this record, but if I can, really quick, how when did you start writing songs, and who all have recorded your songs? I know it's a long list. Well, and you've done several style. I think you were talking about the truck driving song on Cape earlier, and you mm -hmm. said you hadn't written a truck driving song. You were doing R and B and other kind of things. Bluesier stuff, rockabilly, yeah. you know, right. kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, that was my early influences. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Lightning Hopkins and uh, I was fortunate as a kid growing up it, it, during a time when, in my opinion, music was the best it ever was. Sure. Know? And you know, you walk down the street, and there's mm -hmm. music blasting out of car radios. Everything from hardcore country to uh, they ever played Jimmy Reed mm -hmm. on the radio back in those days. Yeah, you could turn on your radio wow. and hear Jimmy Reed and John A. Hooker. Back when radio was really, really good. It was, it was real, <laughs> and every song was different, and everybody had their own their own little special spice. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and there was the words people were 
looking in their song. I mean, they were really great song songs being written. And, mm -hmm. and every everything on the radio was different. And, uh, I was just eating it all up as fast as I could. And uh, I, you know, I knew I wanted to be a, a songwriter mm -hmm. at an early age. I yeah. just and I wanted to be a good one. Mm -hmm. and, and I I threw a lot of songs in the trash. You know, <laughs> a lot of songs. But yeah, I started, I think I must have wrote my my first real song when I was about 14 or 15. Wow, so this has been a life's work. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but when I met the Cody guys, Bill Kirchner in particular, uh -huh. uh, and we became fast friends, he, uh, he said, we're going to well, want one of your songs eventually, but I said, start <laughs> thinking about it now. And he told me he wanted a truck, they wanted a truck driving song on, mm -hmm. on their album did my best to <laughs> give him one and it turned out to be a single and it turned this is out Commander out. Cody we're talking about by yeah, the way Commander Cody yeah. yeah Mama Hated Diesels was my first song ever recorded wow by the Commander Cody band wow. it was a single I actually on the billboard charts with a real with a bullet you know, mm -hmm. put a bullet on it wow I was so excited about that oh yeah yeah but then they uh, told us the song was too long DJs were complaining to cut into their talk time. It was 4.17. Right, right. And so they said, we shortened it, mm -hmm. and we're going to make a single with a short version on one side and long on the other, and they, they called a meeting with the whole band, and they played it for us in Nashville, which just sucked. Oh. You couldn't tell what the song was about. No, without that long piece in the middle. Yeah. yeah. Well, they didn't cut that part. It just, it, it it just didn't work. scissors to it. It didn't make sense. So I said, yeah. no, you can't release it like that. They said, well, what do we do? Where's the master located? The master was in New York. Mm -hmm. So they flew the master from New York to Nashville, and uh, we went into the studio, a tape editing room, and uh, me and Bill Kirch and Andy Stein, and we just, because Andy was the math guy, you know, mm -hmm. and we just listened to it over and over again. We just beating our heads against the wall trying to figure out how to shorten the song in time. Like where to chop it up and not lose the, the soul of the song. Right, and then out of the dark in the in this dark studio room, I heard a voice say, uh, would I be out of school if I was to make, make a suggestion? And it was Tommy Overstreet. Hmm. And uh, he he had it. He said, why don't you just cut out the first chorus and go right into the... Like you played it on the air today. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's my, my time-saving version. Just you know? cut out one chorus. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked. And uh, uh, when I recorded it on my my own album this time around, mm -hmm. I uh, I decided I wasn't gonna pay any attention to that, that business. And so I'm really proud of the fact that it's even, my version's even longer than exactly. the original. Exactly, and it's the, it's the way it was originally recorded. Yeah. Nice. And Gurf just did a beautiful job on the pedal steel. Oh man, yeah. On the whole record. Yeah. I couldn't ask for better. I mean, no. those guys can make a dead coyote stand up and howl. <laughs> Well, it's just having having Gurf and Bill Kirchner, it's like, oh my God, it's like what, like you said, it's a bulletproof band. Yeah, it's a you know. bulletproof, and and, and, and their pals, and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and all the mojo was there. It's just yeah, and I, I and it sounds like so was 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 the rhythm section basically from Kirchner's band or the drummer? I think when you have players that play together to go in to back somebody up, it's already it's kind of like when Johnny Cash hired Tom Petty's band, the Heartbreakers. To, it's like you've got this ready-made kind of rhythm section so it's yeah well I, you know i've been on stage a lot with bill yeah uh, and his various bands over mm -hmm. the years and, and uh and they know my material well yeah and, and i you know i can just get up there and just lean back on them and just 
Yeah, so the learning curve is already already done. When yeah, the studio. And, and it's just a pleasure playing with him. And, yeah. and he always has quality musicians mm -hmm. in his band. And I usually drive a three-piece band, and you just can't have any anybody less. No, no. You know, in a three-piece band, because you know, you lose a wheel, you spit out. Right, you know, and, right, uh, right. So he always has a great rhythm section behind him. And Rick Richards, who's his current drummer guy, was one of those guys. That not only you don't have to tell him anything. Wow. Whatever you think is the perfect way of doing it mm -hmm. is going to make it more perfect. Right. You know, right. It's just it's going to put a shine on it that you nice. didn't think was possible. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm just nothing but happy with this whole thing. Yeah, it's a great project. I'm really proud of it. Yeah. Was it hard narrowing down eleven songs? It was awful. <laughs> it was awful. I'm still Same. I'm still twenty twenty hindsight in it. You know. And, sure. Yeah, I knew I knew Mama had to be on it and Sonora's Death Row and Rock the Funeral. I know those three songs had to be on it. Mm -hmm. The rest, it was, you know, I got to the point where I just shake the jar, you know. You can see what smells out. Like uh, playing bingo with, with a little bubble, bubble up. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, uh, but now I, I can sit back. I think my second album is even going to be more fun because mm -hmm. uh, I'll have a little more freedom of what I'm going to put on it. Yeah, because I, I, you know, all these years of thinking, if I ever cut a record, I know Mama's got to be on it. Sure. The Doors got, you know, those are the ones, as you say, that got me eating regular. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I had a, the be, mailbox. Be money. true to my yeah. school, you know. Exactly. And uh, so. Uh, no. Yeah, and, and you're right. Those songs are going to attract people to the record, and they're going to hear the whole thing and go, "Oh, the, the whole thing's good." But you know, certain songs are going to pull people in. Yeah. yeah, and Jim Donnie's goal. There's two songs on here that haven't ever been recorded before by anybody else, and it's uh, Jim Donnie's goal and uh, one of those kind. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jim Donnie's actually my favorite song on the album. Really, it's the pick of the litter for me. Yeah, it's a great story. It's a great story. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to play some, but I was going to. We were talking out on the deck. Can you talk about your first house concert? It's a great story. Yeah, it was in Birmingham, Michigan, mm -hmm. and I was back visiting in-laws in Michigan, and uh, had a lot of downtime, you know, looking at the TV guide, trying mm -hmm. to figure out what to do. <laughs> I wasn't, didn't bring a guitar with me, I wasn't in town for a gig, but somehow this guy tracked me down and said, uh, I, I put on house concerts at my house, and I didn't know what a house concert was back then, so I'd like you to come do a house concert this mm -hmm. weekend if you if you would. And right, said, right. Well, I didn't bring a guitar with me. He goes, well, you can use mine. And, uh, <laughs> well, you know, they, well, you don't ever know what you're going to walk into. It could be something like really, really, really good I don't want to touch, or it could be something that's unplayable. Yeah, Hannah yeah. Montana, you know, <laughs> yeah. plastic thing or right. something. But uh, he had a nice little, nice little guitar that stayed in tune and a big house, and there, it was full of people and they had a backyard with an actual stage and a sound system, speakers up in the trees. It was a beautiful summer night. And uh, I did about a 45 minute set. Mm -hmm. Afterwards he handed my wife a big roll of money. I said thank you. I said, wow, he's got to remember this house concert stuff. This beat's playing for tips at the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's playing for tips. And, uh, yeah. No, I love doing house concerts. I, do, I love doing community radio. 
singer-songwriter's best friend. These days, exactly. You've got people that will play your music, that have their own shows, they'll have you on live, and people yeah, can hear you. Yeah, they respect what you do, and, and, and they talk to you. And yeah. Just it's fun. Doing, doing live radio out, community yeah. stations, are just, it's really fun. Oh, I love it. Oh, I just love it. And yeah. Especially places like California and Texas where they, they just treasure their their music. Mm-hmm. They treasure their local musicians and they treasure yeah. good music in general. And they do everything they can to support musicians and, and yeah. songwriters. We well, really appreciate them. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Couldn't do yeah. it without them. Yeah. Just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. No, no. It's, it's, kind of like, it's kind of like the last bastion for the singer-songwriters. It is. There's, there's some internet radio, but to actually get played like on a, you know, a terrestrial station, it's the community stations that do it. Yep. yep. So, I see people circling outside that want a cleaner meet. Can you play one song before we leave? Sure. Can you take a request? Sure. Can you play Sonora's Death Row? Sure. I think for a lot, at least for me, and I think a lot of people, that was, for in my kind of demographic, that was kind of the epitome song. It's like, oh my God, I want to write songs. And I was just, and of course, the first time, time I heard it was on Robert Keane's album, and I, I heard it, I got to the punchline, and it just, I sat there with my jaw open. I'm like, this is like the greatest song I've ever heard. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And you probably hear that story a lot. It's, you know, when I wrote Sonora, I was proud of it. I knew that I, I got it, the story told right. Right. And, right. But still, I, I thought, this song's never going to be recorded. Hmm. It's too long. There's no chorus. And uh, boy, was I wrong. There is no chorus. Nope. All these years, I think I've been so engrossed in the song, I never even noticed. No chorus. Yeah. The title repeats. I guess that kind of takes the place of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to ask, was it, was there a specific Sonora in mind? Was it Mexico? No. Was it California? It's all it was just the, the ethereal Sonora somewhere. All fiction. I when I started writing it, the premise was I wanted to write the consequences of what, whether it's a drug or alcohol mm-hmm. induced nightmare. Right. Where uh, just one split second, what you think is reality isn't. Right. And depending on the move you make in that split second dictates what the rest of your future is going to be. And this guy just happened to think that he'd been ripped off bad Mm -hmm. by his friends and he just saw red and took action. Yeah. And he was completely off base. And he had a a little oh crap realization a split second later. Yeah. And I wanted to get, you know, it, it, it was hard to... I took a lot of passes at that verse, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make it. So when somebody listened to it, they would feel. Yeah, that, that's what I did. I think oh, it's a reaction shit, everybody has to that song. You know, yeah. And uh, so I got really fell to his knees and cried. You know, I was just, you know, I just melted down. Mm-hmm. Just lost it. That's a, that song has actually been used as a model uh, in uh, law. How so? Well, you can go online and see this. Yeah. And uh, I'll link it in the podcast. I'll find some information. You know, use that as a as a model of, of they have their own lawyer talk about sure. it. Sure. But of 
the consequences wow. of uh, drugs and alcohol, mm -hmm. leading to crime. And uh, for a perfectly intelligent human being, normally would never do anything like that. Can make one really, really bad decision. Under the influence of drugs or alcohol, could just make a fatal, yeah, just a half a step. Like Gertz got a song called One More Second. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's yeah. the same kind of thing. One more second is all it would have took. Take your finger off that trigger. Yeah. Took your foot off the gas. You know. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, it's, it. it's a nightmare everybody can relate to. Sure. Uh, so anyway. Here we go. We'll close with something happy. <laughs> One of the greatest songs ever written. Pinched up our saddles and rode to snow last night. Guns hanging proud and daring not fly for anyone looking to fight. Car cheats and rustlers would run for their hoes when the boys from the old broken open rode up and rained on the streets they named Sonora's Death Road. Mescal is free and a man to saloon for the boys and the old broken old. Saturday nights in the town of Sonora are best in all Mexico. They got guitars and trumpets and sweet senoritas who don't want to let you go. You'd never believe such a gay, happy town had a street. Called Sonora's Death Row. Inside Amanda's, we was a dancing with all of Amanda's guys. I'd won some silver at seven card stuff, and I was out doing my pal. But the whiskey and mascot and peaceful cigars drove me outside for some air. Somebody whispered your life or your money and I reached but my gun wasn't there. I woke up face down in Amanda's back alley aware of the fool I had been. Rushed to my pony, grabbed my Winchester Entered Amanda's again Where I saw my partners twirling my pistols And throw my money around Blinded by anger I jacked the lever One of them fell to the ground Amanda's got silent like night in the desert My friend stared in pure disbelief Amanda was kneeling beside the dead cowboy, plainly expressing her grief. And as I bowed my head, a tremble shot through me. My six gun was still at my side. I felt my pockets, there was my money. I fell to my knees and I cried. 
But nightmare mascara was all that it was No one had robbed me at all I wish I was dreaming the sound of the gallows They're testing outside the wall And the mescal still free in a mandolin For the boys and the old broken I'd pay a ransom to drink there today and be free of Sonora's death row. Yeah, the mescast is free in Amanda Slough for the boys from the old broken hole. I'd pay a ransom to drink there today and be free of Sonora's death row. Great record, Cold Country Blues and Wolf. I think we're going to see you in April in Carlitas, it sounds like. I hope so. <laughs> we'll see you soon. I hope so. Thanks, Blackie. Appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Oh, my goodness. Blackie Farrell in a live version of Sonora's Death Row from the record Cold Country Blues, uh, produced by Gurf Morlicks and Bill Kirchin. And you can see Blackie live along with Gurf Morlicks live Sunday, April 17th at the Corlitas Cultural Center in Watsonville, California. Information on that is at michaelgather.com on my show's page. It's a 4 p.m. show. It's going to be good. And I mentioned this a few times probably in this episode and the last one as well. But my wife and I have been hosting shows in Corlitas for six years. It's been over 30 shows. It's been a great run. Um, sometimes it's good to go out in a high note. So we're going to make this our swan song for Corlitas take a little break and uh, I'm going to work on a new record and keep the podcast going. A lot of balls in the air. The series has been really, really great. We've hosted a bunch of good people and had a lot of people come out and support it. We'll probably host something somewhere else sometime very soon, maybe a house concert, but uh, um, it's been good and I hope you can make this show. And if, if not, at least pick up Blackie's new record, Cold Country Blues. You can find that at BlackieFarrell.com. It's B-L-A-C-K-I-E. F-A-R-R-E-L-L.com. You can order a, there's a, there's a digital copy. You can also get a signed copy. Um, they're both on his store page at BlackieFarrell.com. So check that out. He's just been writing a lot of great songs for a long time, and now he's recorded them, and it's it's really a nice record. It sounds very old school. It's just, it's, it's you know, if it's on this podcast, I really like it. So trust me, it's good stuff. Blackie, if you're still listening at this point, thank you again. And thank you all for listening, downloading, streaming, however you found this podcast, whether you found it on my website, which I really thank you for, or, or Twitter or Facebook, or if you found it in the Stitcher app, or if you're uh, listening to Grateful Dread Radio Nashville or Casey Cafe Radio. Thank you for listening to these, these episodes every month, and you can help support these artists by buying their music and going to their shows. So check out the websites. Check out my site, michaelgaither.com. You'll find these um, these podcasts under the podcast and the blogs link, and I have links to their to these artist websites and uh, other cool related stuff. So check all that out. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time on Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither. Take care.